You are now listening to The Sooner Surge. Do something! All right, everybody, welcome back to The Sooner Surge. Today we got a special guest joining us. Uh, you can listen to him on the franchise every morning, 6 to 10, and obviously his stuff on Soonerscoop.com. It's the legendary Eddie Radosevich, man. Thanks so much for joining us. Appreciate it. Yeah, no problem. I'm excited. Uh, I is school out today? Are we cutting class? What's going on here? <laughs> they they we are. Cut class. I'm sick. I like it. I'm sick. I like it. Only for you, Eddie. I like it. Yeah, Only no, I'm sick. Quote sick. Good, good. So, sure so Eddie, yeah, these guys are obviously they're they're start. These guys are going to be going to OU uh, in the next year, and then some of them the year after, and they're going to be pursuing their careers in journalism. So, just kind of wanted to hear. Cool. Your story of how you got started in journalism at OU. Yeah, I, uh, so I, this, it's kind of what I always wanted to do. Um, I started basically like my first job in like, I guess, journalism would have been uh, working for rivals.com. And back then it was kind of one of those things, especially with high school recruiting, where uh, people wanted the daily updates or the weekly updates on where guys were uh, visiting, uh, what they thought about schools and things like that. So I, uh, I basically, pestered and badgered a guy named Jeremy Crabtree for about a month and a half every day, persistently uh, emailing him, uh, basically like, hey, if there's anything I can do, let me know. Uh, and finally, he would start, you know, eventually started sending me numbers of uh, guys to uh, call, and I would call them late at night. Uh, most of the guys were out on the West Coast, so I could get done with schoolwork and things like that. And uh, basically would call them, do high school recruiting updates. And, uh, you know, that was kind of the, uh, the beginning of how I really got into it. And then, uh, that led one thing led to another. And I started working for studentshoop.com, but towards the end of my uh, college career, but, uh, you know, and obviously got involved with Gaylord college, uh, the broadcast journalism stuff at Oklahoma, uh, which is kind of all connected as far as like meeting Carrie Murdoch, who hired me at sooner scoop. Uh, so it, it really kind of started like that. Did a little bit in high school, as far as uh, coverage goes, writing for the uh, school paper, uh, but didn't really have any like true schooling, I guess, on on where to go or what to do. But uh, that was kind of the uh, the intro, I guess, into uh, the journalism world, which uh, I guess I've now been living in for uh, nearly 10 years. Yeah, Eddie. So as they said, some of us are planning on going to OU. If you had to give some advice to us what would be some advice that you would have for us? I mean, I, I think probably the best advice that I got uh, even before I started everything in school was just uh, be as, I guess, flexible as you possibly can, just as far as not trying to focus on one thing necessarily. Uh, you know, I, I think that one of the reasons that I got hired at Sooner Scoop had a lot to do with because I could write, because I could work a camera, because I could edit video. So I would say not not necessarily like backing yourself into one corner as far as what you want to do. And then I think that probably the other thing would be just be, uh, you know, as open as possible to doing as many different things as possible, uh, whether that be writing for the school paper, uh, getting involved in the television side, getting involved in the radio network. And now, you know, obviously it was radio back then. Now it's more podcasting uh, like you guys are doing right now. Um, I, I would just say, don't limit yourself to anything just in general. Uh, be open to go cover a women's basketball game or a soccer game. Uh, or, you know, the, uh, the women's golf tournament down the road over at Jimmy Austin. Don't try to – everybody wants to cover football when they get to Oklahoma. That's kind of a given. Uh, it, it's almost kind of one of those things that you have to uh, work your way up the, the ladder to get to the, 
that, you know, quote unquote top as far as football goes. So uh, be open to anything, uh, kind of have an open mind as far as, uh, you know, everything that you go do is going to go into whether it's going to be a real, uh, you know, on the TV side or it's going to go into a portfolio that you can put together for a newspaper. Uh, just kind of be open and kind of go with the roll with the punches, I guess, is probably the best way to say it. And, uh, you know, I, I think anywhere that you go to try and network as much as possible, meet Barry Trammell if he's at a football game, meet, uh, you know, whoever. Uh, it's kind of fun. It's like everybody that I, I met while I was in school at working for Oklahoma, uh, you know, I've, I've become good friends with and now, you know, consider colleagues. So uh, I would just say keep keep your options open. Uh, you know, I, I started school uh, in broadcast journalism side of things, thinking that like I wanted to go work for ESPN. I wanted to work on the desk, uh, you know, basically be your sports center anchor. And, uh, you know, I, I think through various experiences, it kind of opened my eyes that, there's really more than, you know, one way to get into the sports business side of things or the sports media side of things. And, uh, you know, that uh, kind of opens up a whole new avenue uh, as far as what you want to go do, uh, you know, when you graduate or even when you're in school. Yeah, thanks, man, for sharing kind of your story or background there. Uh, we're going to transition maybe here to basketball with uh, it's hard to say. Every, every game is huge for OU right now. they got two top 11 teams this week. But uh, I've been pretty critical of Porter Moser, probably more so than anyone on this podcast. And, you know, they don't seem to have a closer. We thought Sherfield might be the guy who could close games. Uh, just if you had to pinpoint maybe, you know, these late game collapses, and maybe not collapse isn't the best word, but uh, just what would you maybe say credit that to or – yeah, it's tough because they're trying to kind of develop an identity throughout the, the season in one of the toughest leagues in the in the country, obviously. Uh, anytime that, like, there, there just is no off night in the Big 12, and it's a hard way to uh, kind of find yourself as a team when, uh, you know, it, it's not been one thing, it's been another. Uh, you know, obviously coming off of the Baylor game, you give up 17 uh, second-chance points. It's hard to win a basketball game, especially against a top-25 team like Baylor. So, uh, you know, the, the, the offense is – been it, it's tough to watch I don't think that there's any doubt about that Grant Sherfield's kind of uh hit a little bit of a roadblock as far as uh you know what he's been unable to do in the second half obviously not scoring in the last two games up in Stillwater and then uh Saturday in Norman against Baylor so uh you know it's it's been a it's been rough because it feels like every time that they give themselves an opportunity and I think that it's even more tough uh more so just because they have been in every game in the second half and uh, you know, particularly in the last four or five minutes, you have a chance to uh, get a big win each time, and they haven't been able to get over that hump. So uh, it doesn't get any easier, obviously, with TCU coming up on uh, Tuesday night and Bama coming in uh, to damper the Big 12 SEC Challenge on Saturday. But, uh, yeah, you know, it's like Porter's obviously going to be catching a lot of the heat because he's the head coach. Uh, you know, last year was tough just because of the uh, – the basically got, uh, had a limited roster. Uh, you know, you can turn things around through the transfer portal, uh, but, you know, you can't drastically turn things over like they need to. So uh, Tanner Groves has taken a step back this year. They don't have any big guys uh, that can truly be game changers inside. And again, it's just when you're in the Big 12 and you're playing, you know, five, six, seven teams that are in the top 25 and, you know, probably arguably four or five of them that are in the top 15 or top 15 type teams, uh, it just it, it makes the uh, the room for air that much smaller. 
and uh, you kind of have to, uh, you just have to find a way. I don't know if there's any other way to say it. And you look at the rest of their schedule right now, it's going to be tough to, uh, to find a way right now, it seems like. Uh, you know, obviously with, uh, you know, the haul that they have this week and two uh, top 10 teams or top 10-ish teams, obviously. And uh, it's just it, right now it's not working what they're doing. Um, you know, you, 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 uh, you love what they have in freshmen, though. I mean, I think everybody loves Otega Owe. I, mm-hmm. He's going to be a really good player. Los Uzon showed some promise throughout the season as he continues to develop as a freshman. They like Benny behind the scenes at practice. Uh, but they have to be able to go out and find a big man in the portal. And that's kind of like finding a big defensive tackle, a five-star defensive tackle in college football. I think everybody is trying to do that right now, is find a big five that uh, can come in and rebound and and obviously give you some points offensively. So I don't know. I wish I had the answer. I wish – I think Porter, we just talked to him. I wish he – he wishes he had the answer. It's a a tough, tough watch right now, though. Is Bamasil is he going to get on the floor the rest of the year? You think, or man, that I mean, that's like the number one question. Like, and we've asked Porter. It seems like almost every week, as far as like what his development is, uh, and not even development. It's just like how's a guy that averaged seventeen points at George Washington a year ago? Why can't he get into the rotation? And you know, I, I he says he's he's basically said all the right things. I don't know why he's not playing though. Like, I, I think that that is kind of one of the biggest question marks it's easy to point to and say that maybe if he comes in he could give them something athletically that they're not getting certainly be able to help from a guard position and come down and rebound uh but then again who are you going to take off the floor so i it, it it's definitely a quandary right now as far as what is going on with joe Bamasil. and i i share my frustrations with you i i feel like uh if if he was just out there and they were still losing you could go well at least they tried but it doesn't seem like that's in the uh that's in the cards right now. I don't know. It's it's really kind of weird. Yeah. Did did Oway run over you the other day? Was that you sitting there? Or was that another it, cameraman? It was, it was next to me. It was the guy next to me. And I, you know, I don't. Oh, okay, like, I couldn't tell. Like the, yeah, he was like the grip guy that was helping out with the uh, uh, the like ESPN camera right underneath the basket, and like he did something to his shoulder. I felt really bad for the guy. He like went back up the tunnel and he came back and said he was okay. So I don't know if they like popped his shoulder back into place or what happened. That was, that was scary though. That they don't, they don't pay me enough to uh, separate my shoulder down on the baseline. (laughs) Yeah. What we, uh, we can transition to football here for a second. If you want to transition to football, but, uh, one quick, you know, there's we saw some numbers of you know some of the recruits with what they're already maybe putting up uh, with some workouts and things, but a lot of young guys that maybe expected to play last year didn't. You know, talking about Canick and uh, McKenzie, but just curious what your thoughts are. And I know the recruiting class, everything looks to be pointing up, and we love Brent Venables, just the culture thing that he's provided there. But maybe just a quick thought on the football program. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, it, I think last year was obviously very frustrating for a lot of people. I don't know if it makes you feel better or uh, maybe even worse that, you know, four of the five games you lose on basically the final possession of the game, uh, all the one possession games. I think that that, you know, I, again, it, it's like, should you be frustrated by that or should it be a li- almost a little bit promising to know that you were that close in so many games? Uh, you know, I think like a lot of people, I'm pretty, pretty confident that they're going to be able to get this thing turned around. Uh, there's obviously an influx of talent. You would expect the defense to be better in, uh, you know, Brent's second year 
as far as uh, just an overall product. Uh, you have to love what they were able to do in the recruiting uh, realm of things, especially in the 2023 class with the number of guys that they're bringing in. And then obviously uh, through the transfer portal with the guys that uh, they've been able to bring in here over the last uh, you know month and a half to two months since the end of the season. Uh, there's obviously a lot to like. It's just about kind of it coming together on Saturdays. And, you know, I, I think that as much as everybody likes the uh, the atmosphere surrounding the program and everything that goes into the program, uh, nobody's going to give a damn about, you know, them turning men in, or, you know, boys into men if it doesn't equal wins on Saturday, on the 12, 13 Saturdays that everybody gets to watch. So that's, I, th- every, that's how everything's judged in college football, whether it be good or bad. Uh, it's going to be kind of fun to see how this recruiting class comes together. Um, you know, I, I think from just a talent perspective, just as far as what they brought in, um, I, I think that there's still a lot of promise. Uh, I think that if you were able to look through, uh, you know, even on the defensive side of the ball, as bad as they were at times last year, uh, there were times where everything seemingly came together. It's just about getting off the field on third down. Uh, you know, I think as a whole, Oklahoma fans are ready to uh, they're kind of tired about all the talk. you got to see some type of substance come out of that. Mm-hmm. And you just hope that that kind of continues to progress. I, you know, I think that there's a lot of things to like about Danny Stutzman. You just got to get more consistency out of him. And he's still a young player within the program. Uh, but, you know, him entering his second year as a full-time starter, I think he should take another step. Uh, I think obviously everybody's excited to see Jaron Canick come in and uh, kind of take over the role that I think a lot of people thought that he was kind of meant to play. Um, you know, whether that be on the outside or more of the cheetah position, Desan McCulloch's going to be a guy from Indiana that, uh, you know, everybody's excited to see They're, every guy that they brought in in the portal. He fits a area that they needed help in. And I think that that's probably the most important thing is, is they're not just handing out offers, especially in the portal. Uh, you better be able to come in and contribute and play. And, uh, you know, there's there's almost kind of a purpose for each each guy that they brought in. So even down to, uh, you know, somebody like a Reggie Pearson or even the punter that they brought in, I think that there's a specific reason they went out and sought those guys in the transfer portal. And then you would just want to see the continued development of, you know, a lot, a lot of guys that were in the program and historically and Brent's second year at all the stops that he's made, you've seen a drastic increase in production, a drastic increase, mm-hmm. uh, you know, just in overall competency, I guess is probably one way to say it. So, uh, you know, I think that there's obviously a lot of reasons to think that uh, things are going to continue to progress and move in the right direction. And, uh, you just kind of hope it, hope it all comes together because, like you guys said, there's a lot of people that love Brent and, you know, what he's brought kind of a fresh air to the program and, uh, you know, everything he stands for. Uh, you know, I, I think that that's all going to be good. If, if, if there's anything that you want to take out as far as like the 2023 recruiting class or maybe even the portal and the wins that they were, they were uh, able to make, it's that there is a vision. There is a certain... Uh, you know, tone within the program right now that people are buying into. And, you know, for them to be able to close with, uh, you know, the Peyton Bones of the world, and even more so for me, for somebody that, you know, truly covers the recruiting side of things, for them to be able to get guys like a P.J. Adebore or, um, you know, Jackson Arnold or some of the guys that had been in the class for a while to stick with the program, even through a six and seven season, that, that means a lot. I think that that kind of shows that the vision that they are, you know, pitching to recruits or, you know, selling to recruits. Uh, it's something that people can buy into. And, uh, you know, I, I don't know how much of that's going to mean if they can't turn it around on Saturdays. But I think that, you know, in the interim right now, it does mean something that they're able to uh, get those guys to buy into that vision and, and, and stick around 
and want to be a part of it. So, uh, you know, there's, there's obvious steps that Oklahoma has to make on the football field. And, you know, I think that kind of comes together with time. Yeah, you, you talked about the transfer portal and how OU brought in a really nice haul of players. A lot of players that can come in and contribute in year one. Out of all those players, which one do you think will contribute the most in 2023? It's a great question because I think that they all will contribute in some facet. I would probably look at the defensive side of the ball and, you know, Rondell Bothride's a guy that can come in and be a, kind of an all-conference type guy, the kid from Wake Forest, the defensive end. I think he's a guy that uh, when you just look at his flat-out production with what he was able to do uh, at Wake Forest over the last couple of years, there is there is a need for difference makers on the defensive line. I think that's pretty obvious. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would I would say that he's probably the one that sticks out out of the four guys that they were able to bring in. And then uh, Desan McCulloch is obviously uh, you know a guy that physically – they don't make them like that. They don't. It's not supposed to look like that as big as he is and as well as he's able to move. So I think he's a guy that, you know, it's an obvious fit that he can come in and fit in the cheetah role, um, you know, kind of a position that Deshaun White really started to kind of grasp at the end of last year. And, I, you know, those two guys are probably the two that kind of lead the pack as far as guys that from day one you would expect them to come in and really – um, I don't want to say take over starting roles because nothing's going to be handed to them, but I would be surprised if you look up at the end of spring ball and both of those guys kind of haven't solidified themselves uh, as far as not just difference makers on the team, but guys that, uh, you know, really kind of uh, grasp hold of what they are being uh, asked to do within the defense. Yeah, Eddie, uh, this past season, you started the make Lindsay street great again campaign and at one point you thought you won it when the signs went up uh are you going to come back next year with it trying to take down the university on tailgating absolutely absolutely unless the university has me uh displaced and put somewhere in lake thunderbird or something uh no it it, it is something that has to be like addressed I, i i think that it's something that you know anybody that's come down to oklahoma football games over the last 10 20 years knows that uh I think the atmosphere could be better, and especially when you're making a move to the SEC where uh, you are uh, kind of shoulder to shoulder with a bunch of rabid fan bases. Uh, you know, there's obviously a passion for Oklahoma football around here. Uh, I think that the day, the, uh, the the in you know day of game or the game day setting uh, could be much different along uh, Lindsay Street or wherever in Norman. And uh, you know, I is it going to be the difference in winning and losing? No, probably not. But I think just from an aspect of uh, you know, not being embarrassed about what people are walking into and kind of having a pride about uh, what the game day experience is in Norman. And I think that, you know, over the last couple of years, it's probably taken a step back. I know that, you know, obviously COVID affected things back in uh, 2020, but at the same time, it's certainly something that uh, can get better, in my opinion. And uh, and hopefully the powers that be, uh, I've had multiple discussions with people uh, about this that, like it, it can be better at the end of the day. And I think that everybody's kind of on the same page. I just hope that, uh, you know, one day people can be able to tailgate back on Lindsay street and kind of a manner that everybody was used to in the early two thousands or even late 2010s. Amen. Yeah. Eddie, I'm just curious how the pylon picture started. I don't know. I, I, I really don't like, I, I think that I just started doing it, uh, like three or four years ago and I just do it every game day now. I, it really is like, uh, it, it's not meaningful to any, anybody, but me, I guess. 
uh, I just have always kind of liked the, the, the pylon pick and the, uh, the shots from around the, uh, the various places. It's almost like a little, uh, I guess like a little journal to myself of the places that we've been over the last, uh, 10 years. So I don't, it just kind of started. And then I just started doing it. I think out of habit, I think there was a re there for a little bit, it was just kind of almost like a superstitious thing. Like I just did it and they kept winning football games and now I just do it to do it. So like there really isn't any uh, moral or rhyme or reason. I just kind of do it. Awesome. <laughs> Yeah, Eddie, do you do you ever think the conference schedule is going to come out at all for football? Because yeah. it seemed like the, the UCF athletic director said it was supposed to come out at the start of this month, and that was never true. It seems like we've been waiting forever. I know. He teased everybody. Uh, yes. Eventually, I would hope that they don't release it like week by week come September. Uh, they keep saying <laughs> into January. But I, I got fooled with you guys. I, when uh, the Central Florida Athletic Director came out and said that it was coming out last Tuesday, I think everybody was kind of preparing for it. And then it was like one of those things is like by 3.30, it was like, all right, I guess it's not going to be today. Uh, I do think that there's a little bit to the report as far as like Chip Brown uh, coming out last week saying that it's Oklahoma that's holding everything up. I think that there is some resolution as far as what they want to do with the exit strategy for Oklahoma and Texas to the SEC. Um, I would hope that it is eventually released uh, in the end of January. I know that we like, we need to start making uh, travel arrangements. I think that it's uh, for sure that Oklahoma and Texas will probably be on the road at two of the four new spots. I had heard Provo and I had heard Cincinnati for Oklahoma. Uh, I think that was kind of the internet rumor, at least that was out there last week. Uh, or the week before, I can't remember, but uh, it's going to be interesting. Like I, I, I think that Oklahoma fans can just know that they're going to probably be signed up to go to two of the new four spots. It is going to be particularly interesting to see like who they don't play. Um, you know, I, whether that be Iowa State or the two Kansas schools or Houston. I know that like Oklahoma kind of been linked to those four schools, but then nothing came out, so I don't think anybody really knew what was going on. Uh, but I am going to be. I don't know. Like I'm kind of split. I'm obviously excited about some of the SEC spots, uh, but there are some like Big Twelve spots that we've been going to over the last 10, 12 years. Uh, just from a coverage standpoint, that I am going to miss a little bit. There's some uniqueness about them, uh, but I am excited for the future and everything that's to come with the SEC. It's going to be really exciting. Uh, hey Eddie, I see you're in your car right now. Is that the new Lexus? It is. It is. Yeah, it is. Uh, the, the, the Hyundai Elantra had to, uh, we had to put her down a couple weeks ago. She started smoking one morning when I got into the radio station. It was like, this is the sign. I don't want to blow up on the side of 35. So, uh, luckily the fine people at Eskridge, uh, kind of took care of me. I'm going to have to pick up a third job for the monthly, uh, payments, but, uh, yeah, this is, this is it. <laughs> I'm a teacher, so I get that for sure, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no doubt about it. Yeah, Eddie, you've mentioned uh, game day atmospheres a lot. What uh, game day atmosphere are you looking forward to the most in the SEC move? Ooh. I mean, it's hard to beat LSU at night. I, I want to experience Baton Rouge at night just for the pure insanity that comes. I've had cousins go down there to LSU games that – have told me it's just a whole different kind of um, atmosphere, world, 
continent, whatever you want to call it. Uh, Tennessee was pretty cool when Oklahoma went there in 2015. That was a really neat atmosphere to be a part of. Uh, you know, I, I think that going back down to College Station eventually will be fun. I went down there a couple times when OU was still in the Big 12 or when they were still in the Big 12. Um, I think just from a coverage standpoint, going down to the swamp is going to be pretty cool. Uh, I don't know about like in stadium atmosphere, but Oxford is definitely a place that I want to go just from a, uh, a Grove standpoint of seeing kind of what that whole scenery is, is all about. Um, LSU is probably number one. I, Tuscaloosa is going to be cool just because of, just because it's Tuscaloosa. I've heard Athens has a pretty cool bar scene that I'm, I'm excited to check out, but, uh, I would say night game in Baton Rouge would probably be number one as far as uh, the list of places that I want to be able to uh, to go cover a game at. I think that'd be really cool to be down on the field for. Yeah, when you uh, when you caught the ball on the kickoff, were you mad you didn't get the special teams player of the week? Did you, did you get snubbed? Yeah, I got snubbed. That was like a top five most athletic thing that I've ever done. So, uh, yeah, I, I felt a little snubbed. <laughs> I felt a little snubbed by uh, the Big 12, but I'm kind of used to uh, people from Oklahoma being snubbed somewhat by the Big 12. So uh, I guess that was just the uh, the parting shot, if you will, uh, to uh, to not get Big 12 Special Teams Player of the Week. I, I announced it as myself, but uh, yeah, I would have liked to have seen a little bit more recognition from uh, the league offices over in uh, Arlington or Irving, wherever they're at nowadays. Hey, Eddie, how, how often do you get to play golf? Probably not as much as I like. Uh, I, that's kind of like one of my, I'm not a big New Year's resolution guy, but uh, that's kind of one of my New Year's resolutions just as far as trying to get out more to uh, the golf course. I have a lot of time like during the weekdays. The problem with that is, is you can't find a whole lot of, uh, of buddies to go play golf with uh, during the afternoon. So uh, hopefully get, gonna be getting out during the summer more and more, uh, things kind of slow down right now as far as, uh, you know, football coverage, obviously basketball is only a couple times a week. So, uh, once the weather gets nice, the sticks will probably be getting out more and more here over, uh, you know, the course of the next few months. I, it, it's kind of funny. It's like, I don't really think about it. And then I start watching golf, uh, as the weather gets nicer and as the PGA tour kind of starts ramping up and, uh, I, I somehow keep looking over at my clubs more and more over the last couple weeks and um, I think I'm starting to get the itch a little bit hey LIV fan or no live tour what what are your thoughts well if live is listening right now yeah I'm a fan because I want to play in the pro-am come uh, come mid-may when they're up in Broken Arrow (laughs) I wouldn't say I'm a fan per se like I like Taylor Gooch uh, the Oklahoma kid. I like a bunch of the guys that are over there. I'm, I think I'm more like infatuated or fascinated by what it is and what it's going to turn into, uh, kind of the storylines that come with it. I wouldn't say I'm necessarily like somebody that's going to be sitting around and watching it every day. It's more of like background music, uh, or background television. Uh, but you know, there, there are weeks where they're going to have good tournaments, quote unquote, and I will probably end up watching, uh, you know, I, it, it's it's fascinating what has happened with the PGA and Liv just as far as uh, kind of them playing off of each other. And like, I'm, I'm super excited for the uh, the debut of the PGA Tour Netflix special. That's going to be uh, something that I will definitely, uh, definitely watch and take in 
So I, yeah, like I want to say that I'm just a huge fan, but I am a fan of the sport of golf and I'm kind of a, a sicko nut in that way that I'll watch any type of golf that's on television. Uh, so it probably just depends week to week if, uh, you know, what the leaderboard looks like and kind of what they have to offer. Hey, uh, Eddie, today I went out, got my bread. Okay. Yeah. Got, got big storm coming in. Oh, sure. I got your Some milk, milk, Jackson. I just would like to know, you know, this is your chance to make a weather, weather prediction for us. Is this, is this really going to happen? Is it really going to happen? Yes. Is it going to be as bad as people probably think? I don't know. I, we talked about that this morning with Todd Lisenby, my radio partner. Uh, he's kind of convinced that the roads are going to be a little too uh, warm. I think that we are going to get quite a bit of snow because there's a lot of precipitation in the air. Uh, you know, of course, I have to do a lot of running around tomorrow, so I hope that it's not, uh, which means that it probably will be. Like the one day that I have to go do stuff, uh, it's probably going to be bad all day. So. Uh, I just, you know, it's kind of like everything else that they throw out there. Stay vigilant. Know that they're coming after you. They want to buy They want you to buy the bread. They want you to buy the dairy. Uh, Brahms is going to make a ton of money off of this that we're never going to be able to see. And uh, it will be quite interesting to see what we actually get uh, come Tuesday evening. Uh, I'm sure that Mike Morgan will be calling for like four feet of snow, though, and we'll probably get much less than that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Eddie, you're a big uh, Chicago Cubs fan. What are your thoughts yeah. on this offseason signing Dansby Swanson? I'm excited about it. I, you know, I think that like I got a little bit greedy. I wanted them to, um, to go get another big bat. Uh, but I love what they did up the middle, getting Dansby Swanson, getting Cody Bellinger, uh, you know, Hosmer over at first. He's going to be more of a platoon guy. I would hope Matt Mervis, who was uh, one of their MVPs in the farm system a year ago. I'm a little worried with the starting pitching. They need arms, but, you know, who doesn't need more arms right now? Uh, overall, though, for a ownership group that seemingly does nothing, I was pretty pleased with how everything turned out. Uh, it's going to be kind of interesting to see what they do at the catcher position. It was tough to watch Wilson Contreras go, and especially to the Cardinals. But at the same time, I probably wasn't willing to give them the five-year deal that the Cardinals gave them. So um, it's going to still be tough seeing him in Cardinal, uh, uh, Cardinal in a Cardinal uniform, but it was probably time at the end of the day. And with what they were able to go do in the uh, free agent uh, market, they kind of bought me back in, which, you know, <laughs> I was probably going to be bought in anyway. So, uh, the joke's kind of on me. Yeah, the most frustrating part for me with Contreras is, like, not getting anything for him. Yeah. Like, you're just letting him walk. Like, we had multiple opportunities past two years to get rid of him and never did it. So, yeah, it, the Ricketts family, that's just how it's going to go. Yeah, I was – I for them to be able to go out and get some of the guys that they did, I was pleased with it. It just, I, I wanted one more big bat. And I think that that was, uh, you know, the, the, the market is what it is right now. Uh, I was, I was, I was pretty pleased though. You get Trey Mancini in there as well. That was a late ad. Uh, I, with the, with some of the young arms that they have in the system, I'm, I'm, I'm borderline optimistic about what they did. And especially at the end of last season, 
they had a bunch of guys that could come in and strike people out. Uh, I just don't know how much of that was, you know, are they playing against teams that kind of know where the Cubs are at right now in the standings? I don't want to say it, taking it lightly. It's kind of like almost like the Oklahoma City Thunder. It's like, I'm ecstatic about what this thing is, but I'm also kind of leery as far as, yeah, but they're playing teams that are started resting a bunch of starters. So uh, I think you can kind of be somewhere in between happy with where this thing is at. It's ahead of schedule, uh, but also uh, kind of keeping realistic expectations about what they are. Yeah. Eddie, man, we are just thrilled that you're able to take some time. I know it's been 32 minutes or something here. We we really appreciate it. Uh, We love listening to you. It's great to hear just how authentic you are and, uh, just how you present things. I think it's great. And people just really are drawn to that. So we're, we just really appreciate you taking time here on the Sooner Surge to be with us, man. Absolutely. Absolutely. Appreciate guys, it. anytime, uh, if you guys ever need anything, good luck with, uh, the journalism, uh, I guess career path. It's, uh, stay patient because it doesn't happen overnight. But, uh, if there's any way that I can help, let me know. I'd be more than glad to. Awesome. Thanks, Thanks Eddie. Eddie. You back guys. Anytime right on the snow. Appreciate it. All right. Peace.